Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Self-Published Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Pearson, and I'm joined today by my husband. Hi, I'm Nolan. And we did not release an episode last week. Uh, first off, my laptop gave a, the blue screen of death, and that was where we recorded. And then poor Nolan decided to try to die. Um, yeah. <laughs> I nearly succeeded, and I, I lost my voice entirely, so we couldn't have done a podcast because I couldn't talk. Yeah, so. and that went on for like five days. It was yeah. He's still sick, so his yeah. voice is still pretty harsh. Okay, so why don't we, we're just going to dig into things. We've got lots going on in our personal lives right now that we'll probably eventually dig into just because they, you know, personally eventually affects business. But so why don't you go ahead and give us the quote for today? Never mistake motion for action. Ernest Hemingway. Never mistake, mistake motion for action. Oh, that is, that is a really good quote. Why did you pick that one? Um, I mean, you know, every once in a while you need to look at what you're doing if you don't feel like you're getting anywhere because it's obviously not working. So a lot of people do the same thing over and over again. Don't get anywhere. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree with that. Like they're, just they're because busy. you're <laughs> they're busy, but it's not productive busy. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you're doing stuff doesn't mean it'll, it'll make a difference or it'll actually work. So something that somebody told me was have your assistant. So there's the 80, 20 rule. Don't do things that take 80% of your time and only give you 20% results. Do the things that take 20% of your time and do 80% results and get 80% results. And somebody was like, well, have your assistant do the things that are take 80% of the time. And my p- opinion is don't even do that much. You want you want your assistant to be doing things that also garner results. Basically, if it's only going to give you 20% results, don't do it at all, you know? So, but how do you know in the beginning if it's just busy work and not actual work, though? Trial and error, I guess. Yeah, trial and error, listening to other authors. Yeah. Again, research. Yeah. Research. What it works for other authors won't necessarily work for you, though, but... You just do the best that you can in the beginning. And those of you who've been around long enough, you you know what is going to get you results. And so don't do the things that you know aren't going to get results unless you really enjoy doing them. Because at the point when you're successful and you've got a career out of this, it doesn't really matter, I think. You know, those little white rabbits. Anyway, that you've jumped down into a rabbit hole with. All right. So the the tip for today, we're going to continue the cover sequence stuff. Um... And I'll just talk about the, you know, the cost of them and a little bit about, let's see, there's a page turn right here, a little bit about uh, what to expect. So a cover can cost anywhere from $25 to several thousand dollars with, with the average landing around 300 to 450, depending on the genre. Romance tends to be a little bit cheaper just because... I think a lot of the cover designers recognize that romance writers have to produce quickly, and so they've found ways to make their covers cheaper. I, I think there's more plentiful stock art. For romance? Yes. It depends on the on the genre, era yeah. and the genre. So Regency romance, it's like I have an author friend who spends $750 on her the image for her covers only. So if you, I mean, it depends on the genre you write. You're going to have a hard time finding stuff that's for cowboys and, and cowboys and Indians. <laughs> <laughs> sorry movies um you're gonna have fi- have a hard time finding stuff that's for cowboys and for period works just because the stuff that's available for that that's cheap is going to be it's used over and over and over again and so for fantasy stuff that's good for fantasy is going to be also expensive if you want your book covers to look like say bella forests or Lindsay halls or something expect to spend a few hundred dollars Anyway, so... And up. And up, yeah. And how much it costs depends on the originality of the artwork and the stock photos used. So if you want an image that nobody else uses, you're going to have to pay a few hundred dollars for it. 
And the illustrations and photographs from the popular uh, Fat Puppy art website, for example, cost several hundred dollars alone, and that's before a cover designer starts to work on them. And Fat Puppy Art is P-H-A-T, Puppy Art. So I would recommend going and looking at them. They have some really amazing stuff on there. And then... Okay, so but keep in mind that even if a book cover is expensive, it doesn't always mean the cover will actually work. And so you got you have to get critiques on all covers, even when you've outsourced the creation to a designer. And then before you have somebody start working really in depth on a cover, see if you can get them to do mock-ups and then get results or get uh, feedback on those mock-ups before you you know shell out money and before they shell out time. Any closing comments on that? No, that's really good advice. Okay. All right. So we're going to jump right into Johnny English. And because uh, Nolan... Anecdote. Uh, yeah. I've gone down plenty of blind alleys. Like They're like, yeah, that's good. And then you like work on it a bunch. And then they're like, it's not good now. And then I changed my mind. And then you're like, but I'm already like six hours into this, which is, you know... You know, the, one of the very first covers he did was a full-on illustration of three people, and the author didn't like the poses he put the people in. After he approved the poses, you know. it's After he approved the poses. So Nolan actually gave him mock-up, and he's like, yeah, that's great. But then when Nolan finished, he's like, ah, I changed my mind. And it was full-on illustration, and it was more than six hours. It was probably wow. ten hours. And yeah. he put a lot of time into it. So the author was like, and it was a free book cover. Yeah, so the author just, was like, yeah. redo it. Yeah, I was like, you're asking a lot for free. I was just like, hey, I'll help you out. Yeah. No good yeah. deed goes unpunished. Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, and that was what, when he very first started working on book covers, and so he was trying to get his name out there. I think you still actually owe one of my author friends a free book cover. <laughs> Seven let's years later. They, let's see if they collect. <laughs> yes. I'll, I, I'll fulfill my obligation if they remember. Yes. Uh, you don't, don't you know who you me. are, and I know you listen to one of our episodes, so if you hear this, you know who you are. <laughs> anyway. They All just, right. They don't like me enough to fulfill a free cover. <laughs> Do you remember who it is? No. Okay, sorry. good. All right. So we're going to talk about Johnny English. And since Nolan's sick, we're it's not going to be a very long episode. We're probably only going to give two top takeaways for authors, etc. Um, all right, so go ahead and give us an overview. Talk about the characters and character development. Okay, so this is a spoof type uh, comedy. So it's it's uh, of the spy genre, specifically James Bond. Yes. He the, So the main character would like to be James Bond, which is Johnny English, played by Rowan Atkinson. Yes. He, who is desperately incompetent and... Um, and wonderful. He, and hilarious. Yes. Uh, and that his uh, the humor comes from his uh, not being able to live up to the impossible, obviously impossible standards of like a double O kind of agent. And that, that's where the comedy comes from. Yeah, exactly. This. Yep. Because like you know, you know what like 007 sort of thing he would do, and then he fails. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we know exactly how James Bond should be, and he the mistakes he makes. It's very, it's like Mr. Bean type humor. So if you've it, ever it is, seen Mr. Yes. Bean, you and know, and it's played by the same guy. So yeah, so it's like slapstick kind of. It is. Yeah. Um, it's not serious comedy. It's. It's not silly comedy. Yeah, it's not like really clever dialogue. Mm. You know, like super smart. No, it's not like Megamind. Unapproachable. I mean, it's very accessible. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So John English is our incompetent hero, but he is actually occasionally competent, which I think is important. Yes, I mean he's he he is on the right track, and so his blunders lead him to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. They even say that he's like you know he. 
Johnny English is a fool, but he's a fool that keeps showing up. Yeah. And he can't yeah. stop them. <laughs> yeah. So that part of the try fail, try fail, this is more like a fail, 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 mm-hmm. fail, 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 <laughs> succeed cycle. But, yeah, exactly. But each failure, he still manages to not stop them, but get like a piece of information accidentally yeah. that, and he can't prove it. Like he'll, he'll get a piece of information, but he'll lose the proof. Yeah. You know, stuff like or that. Or they just won't believe him regardless of what he does. Right. Because he doesn't have any proof Because he's anyway. incompetent and they know yeah. he's incompetent. Yeah. Um, so who was your favorite character? Um, I was, uh, I was, I was torn between Johnny and Lorna. Oh, okay. Boff. No, I was torn. Oh, torn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the characters actually. So, well, you have to explain why I'm saying torn. Uh, Natty and Natalie and Brulia. Is that how you say it? Brulia and Brulia and Brulia and Brulia. Whatever. Brulia. One of those syllables. Are She's saying that one song torn, like yes. in the nineties, early two yeah. thousands. That's her. And there's a guy who does this fantastic rendition of his her song who mimes it. Mimes it, yes. And it's amazing. So if you have not watched that YouTube clip, go look it up. Torn. Anyway. So yeah, Boff. Boff is good. I really like Boff. He, I would agree. He's my favorite character. He's competent and humble. And he's <laughs> he treats Johnny well. Like he yeah. respects Johnny even though he shouldn't, you know? He has respect for propriety, I guess, because he's the, he's the junior agent. Yes. And he's more competent than Johnny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah. he just follows orders and like he knows it's stupid and you can tell he thinks it's stupid. He's like, uh, but he's so he's so humble. But then he know? does it and then, and you know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he's like, are you sure, sir? Like, of are course sure, I'm sir? sure. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like rolls his eyes and then. Does it anyway. Does his best. Or sometimes he does his own thing and then, you know. Yeah. yeah. But then he's a, he's a little bit like Johnny though. Yeah. He goes up the poo tube. Yes, it's so awful. Um, just like Johnny did. So, I mean, you know, he's, uh, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, the character, so Johnny English, main character, uh, a, an incompetent 007 analog. Yeah. And then we have uh, Agent Lorna Campbell, who's the love interest slash um, Interpol, um, his his rival. Slash, um, slash, there's no way in heaven or heck he's going to get this woman. And but he doesn't. He does. Oh, no, he doesn't. You're I guess right. he does at the end, but they don't kind really. Of. Yeah. He blows it because, you know, 007 gets the girl, you know, he smooth, talk, smooth talks her, but it's him. So she yes. throws herself at She, she throws, throws herself, herself at him. Oh, and yes. And he blows it. It is like the <laughs> She's most... like begging and he like doesn't get it. Like he gets it, but then he like talks her, accidentally talks her out of it. Yeah. And he's like, she's like, thanks for not taking advantage of me when I'm vulnerable. And he's, and he's like, like, wait, uh, wait, 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 no, no, that's not. That's... <laughs> he's like, uh, don't mention it <laughs> or something like that. So awesome. Anyway, um, and then there's Sauvage. Played by um, John Malkovich. Yes, he's awesome. And his hair is amazing, and Andrea won't let me have hair like him. No, I will not let you have That's hair amazing. like him. amazing. First off, the color is totally wrong for I you. I will never go gray ever in my life. His so. hair is like a blonde gray. Yeah, it's and not going to happen never, for me. Yeah. <laughs> Just regular gray. I won't get that either. Um, he, has uh, a, he has a full head of dark hair, for those of you who can't see him. Yeah. Which I'm is pushing, all of you. <laughs> which I'm, uh, yes. Pushing 40 and uh, a smattering of sparse smattering his hair the the amount of gray in his hair has not changed since i married him seven and a half years ago so he's not gonna go anywhere for a while yeah, it's, sorry guys <laughs> guys i don't know if balding bothers you ha i guess <laughs> if balding bothers you then ha i'm not good balding so be jealous 
Oh, <laughs> that's that's so that's so petty. It is petty, but I'm taking it. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, uh, yeah, Sauvage is the bad guy, the real yes. bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants to steal the crown. He he should have been king. His family line. Yeah. So his he's trying to steal the crown jewels and uh, get the queen to abdicate so he can become king yeah. of England. He's French, the, the hated yes. French. And he's got an amazing French accent. Uh, way overdone. It's so amazing. <laughs> exaggerated French accent. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty funny. And his hair is also amazing. His hair, Nolan, And his wardrobe is also amazing. Okay. I like his wardrobe. Even but his not... bathrobe suit. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's like a... All right, let's talk about the opening uh, and, scene. And Pegasus, his boss. Pegasus, yes. Um, which is a code name, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The opening scene. The opening scene is a dream. Normally, we don't like dream scenes, but this one's very short, and um, you know, it's a dream because it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And it's him being super competent at everything. Yeah. Uh, doing a spy thing. Yeah. You know, he like breaks into a place and like some dogs try to stop him and he's got like little chew toys and they take the chew toys. And he does and... everything right and everything works out. So and it's like way super easy. Like some guys, you know, have machine guns and he just like grabs them by the barrel and like pushes them back and they fall down. Yeah. Uh, so are we okay with this dream sequence in this one? Yeah, it's comedic and it's obvious that it's like... A dream. Not necessarily a dream, but just like it's so absurd that it doesn't really matter. So why are we okay with dream sequences so far, except for the Alan? I know, I know we have two. Yeah, that I, I don't know. Um, they get. I guess they get abused. I think uh, I that like a they... lot of a lot of writers try to use them more than they should, and most movies don't have dream sequences. We just happen to have picked several that do. Yeah, and they did them well, they did except them for well. the except for the one. So two out of three have yeah. worked. Yeah, for us, <laughs> uh, Jurassic Park three did not work. No. Johnny English did, and so did... Twilight. Twilight. New the Moon second New Moon, yes. I feel like there's one other dream sequence. Was that the... Know. Are those the only ones? Those are the ones I recall. Yeah. And so we at least have a contrast of like when... Because it provided information. You know, he's like... He dreams of being a super competent agent. Yeah. And when he wakes up from that dream and he's, you know, in a sitting at a desk by a file cabinet... Yeah. It immediately tells you, you know, where he is in life. He's not living up to those dreams. No. So, so it provided information... Yeah. And it gave us like, you know, that high to the low. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of, yeah. So it, it was used to drive the story forward. It's not used to deceive you mm-hmm. or to create false tensions. Mm-hmm. And then, oops, it was just a dream. Wah, wah. Yeah, no you know, it's, it didn't do that. It didn't pull the rug out of reality out from under you. No. Which I hate. Yeah. All right. So a comment on foreshadowing. We've got um, the Peg- Pegasus is like, we can't afford mistakes. And Johnny's like, the word mistake is not in my dictionary. And I'm like, that's that's foreshadowing right there. Yeah. Because everything he does is a mistake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so all right. So tell us about the inciting incident. Uh, the crown jewels are stolen. No, no that is not it. Um that is incorrect. The the all of the other agents die. Every single of one of the good agents dies. Right. So Johnny uh, is trying is uh, in charge of like getting the file together for the really cool agent. Yeah. And he does it wrong, and the real agent, agent one, I believe this way, doesn't have the information he needs, so he dies on his mission. <laughs> yeah, and and then he's with a whole bunch of other ones that die. No, that's then the funeral. Oh, the funeral. Then they all die. The and funeral. then they have a funeral for Agent One, and he's in charge of security because all the competent agents are at the funeral, and then they all get blown up too. So, except this is funny how they do this. Yes, <laughs> and it's a great. It's like a few minutes into the movie. It's like it's right real, after yeah. the dream sequence. Yeah, they don't waste time. It's really it's true. They get right to it because he's like you know. 
do you have my file ready English? He's like, yes, I've checked the codes myself. And, and then like, uh, the codes don't work. And yeah. Then, you know, and he's, then he's at the funeral. He's like, and they're like, is everything in order? He's like, I think you'll find everything's rather well, more than in order. And then <laughs> explosion. Yeah. And like right behind him. And he's just looks up, you know, he's like, he's uh, like, uh. <laughs> so he's literally the best of what's left. Yeah. Because <laughs> he he's all that's left, left. That's left. Yeah. And then the junior agent, like the guy that started like that week. Yeah. Poor Boff. Boff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and he was never a field agent before because he was never good enough to be a field agent before. Yeah. And so he likes to tell stories about how awesome his field agent days were uh, when he didn't have any. Yeah. So and Boff knows he's full of crap. Yes. But he just listens to his stories. Okay, so implausible versus plausible in research and all that. So Johnny English, he's occasionally competent, like I said, and he, but he, but this is important because he wouldn't be in his position otherwise. Because, you know, he has to be able to. So, like, while they're in the in the basement, in the underground parking, he's he's like, hey, Fitch. And the, the guy's like, oh, yeah. hi. And 30 steps later, uh, English is like, did that sound like Fitch? You know? And, and it's not. It's, it's an assassin not. sent to kill him. So yeah. then, then he, the, the guy has to spring his trap early and can't yeah. seal the deal. Yep, exactly. So... And, uh, yeah, so he, he does catch things that, but you know. the guy does get away. They don't, he accidentally oh, yes. attacks Boff instead because they split up and, and the assassin gets away, but he doesn't get killed. No, he does not. So that, so that's a perfect example of where he's competent enough to get out of a situation, yeah. but also plausibly incompetent enough yeah. not to catch the bad guy. Yeah. And then, so implausible versus plausible, he's waving a gun around, but it totally fits his, his character. Yes. And his slide falls off twice, which they shouldn't have done twice. Once would have been enough. But. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Boff holds his gun correctly. I don't know if you noticed that. Like uh, he actually- finger off his trigger. Yes, finger off the trigger. And, and of course, Johnny's got his finger on he's the trigger and is waving, waving it around. around. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, uh, Johnny's whole life is a, a fail cycle. <laughs> True. Yeah. So, do you have com- com- uh, comments on the conflicts in the tri-fail cycle? No, the, there's more fail. So, like he man, like we said, it's a kind of an alternate tri-fail cycle. I guess not, because I mean, even when you do a try, a fa- when even when you fail, there has to be the seeds of success. Yeah, agreed. it can't just be like you lose miserably, and that can happen sometimes. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's they also can learn something yeah. when they fail. That's usually the best thing you know you learn a lesson they're like okay that didn't work now i need to do this yeah no kidding and that's what happens here like he fails a lot more than maybe in other movies but he always has the seed of what needs to happen next um at the end of the failure yeah yep yeah so that's important and that's true like life lessons and you know just in general anyway yeah because it reveals your deficiency and then they Mm -hmm work on the deficiency and then they try again and then there's like oh you make it to the next stage but then there's some bigger thing that you fail at yeah yeah and then you learn the bigger thing and then you know and you never quite know when someone's going to succeed and that you know creates tension yeah because you do have to fail a few times but you can't make it too many and then it's boring yeah and you know or too hard and it's impossible that they win Mm -hmm. and then you can't succeed too earlier then it's boring yeah no kidding all right so um things that you liked and that worked for you the comedy was great that that, um even the action wasn't too bad i mean it is an action movie yeah and it it's not implausible action i mean it's hollywood action but you know in the genre it's over top yeah because there's like there's a you know a cool spy car with like missiles and machine guns and stuff on it just Mm -hmm. like you would expect from uh most bond movies where Mm -hmm. he has got a super cool car so i mean it is 
it's plausible you could have a car with rockets in it. Yeah. You could build one that did if you wanted to. Speaking of cars, one of the best scenes in the whole movie, you know, when he they're chasing, they're in a car chase uh-huh. and it leads them to a funeral. Oh, yes. yes. And and he uh, hops on top of the coffin and like waving his gun around and insulting, everyone. insulting all the people and their fake tears. Yes. <laughs> and it's really actually no, a real funeral. Tears? Do they charge extra for that? <laughs> it's awesome. All right. So let's see. I'll go ahead and give trivia now. Okay. And then we can go into our top take us take us to biggest of ways. <laughs> hey, I'm tired too. <laughs> mm-hmm. The kids are sick right now, so yes, it's I been remember. a really yeah. rough go of it the last few days. All right, so trivia. This this one, little bit of trivia. I absolutely love this. Um and we didn't talk about the climax of the epilogue or resolution. Do we need to all the we time? Can, if you want. I don't even remember what the climax was. Uh, the climax is the scene in Westminster Abbey when they're crowning him. Oh, that's right. Yes. And um, they crown they crown uh, accidentally Johnny crown Johnny instead. Yes. He's like, seize him. And yeah, he foils the, he actually foils the thing and everyone's surprised. Yep. <laughs> Everybody's like, what the? Yeah. They didn't actually explain how Savage was bad. Like he's like, seize him. And they didn't really show. Well, I mean, evidence. he did insult everyone. And that's it's true. But still. You and know. he did shoot a gun everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of indiscriminately waved his gun around and then shot a bunch. Yeah. I mean, you should at least stop someone from doing that. It's true. It's true. But he was about to become king. And I don't know how English <laughs> people are. Maybe they'd be like, OK. Well, he wasn't immune to the laws yet. So that's he could true. at least be arrested Civil. for discharging yeah. a firearm and a. National treasure. Yeah, no kidding. Yes. All right. Okay. So trivia. You ready? Okay, trivia. All right. The Aston Martin that English drives is his own car. <laughs> and I. And by the jealousy. way, that was jealousy. I'm serious. It is his own car. It's not just the model he drives. It's his own car. Jealous. I know. Isn't that cool? Who knew being funny could make you so much? Oh, a lot of people. Know that. <laughs> a lot <laughs> yeah, of people know that. Say, Brian Re- Brian Reagan. Reagan. Uh, let's see. Okay. So. By the way, okay, so singing to get through the darkness, you know how he's like, the song has to be in E flat. He is actually singing in E flat. Good for him. It sounded yeah. terrible, though. Of course it sounds terrible, but he has perfect pitch. E flat. <laughs> yeah. He's like, and then he catches it and he's right on. That's nice. pretty amazing. This is Natalie Imbruglia's debut to the big screen, which I thought she did great for it, you know? Yeah. I think she did like... um what is it? Soap operas in Australia? Before this? I think she so. She's a singer. And so. that. Well, that came later. I think she started as an actress. Really? I didn't know that. Interesting. I could be wrong, but I, I think I recall that from the depths of something. Depends on when Johnny English came out, because if Torn came out in the 90s. I don't remember. Where, I don't know. Johnny? Okay, so... So, Torn, the song came out in 1995, and I just told Nolan that, and he was absolutely astounded that he was so old. <laughs> Or that you are so old, or what? That yeah, is that so it was old that ago. Long ago, yeah, long ago. And Johnny English came out in two thousand three, so she was a singer before she hit the big screen. Oh well, yeah, I knew that. Oh, I thought you were saying that no, she I was movie she... before she became a no, singer. No, no, that she did. I think she did. Soap oh, operas soap operas before, before she sang. Okay, she looks super young in that movie. Yeah, uh, you know, young people are in soap operas. They have teenagers in there. Jeez. Even babies. People have babies on TV sometimes. People die. People die, Linda. <laughs> Go watch Better Off Ted if you haven't seen the TV show. All right. Okay. So the Chinese title is Mr. Bean Becomes a Secret Agent. Wow. Okay. 
pretty on the nose. nose (laughs) And then Rowan. Okay, this is kind of sad. Uh, Rowan Atkinson later admitted he was dissatisfied with the film. Oh, sad. He says it's five good jokes and a bunch of stupid ones. That stupid jokes were fun. Are good jokes. I mean, that's why they work is because they're stupid. Yeah, I love this movie. I'm sorry. um, I'm sorry, Rowan Atkinson. Your most of your jokes are stupid. (laughs) Mr. Bean is stupid. Yeah. That's literally why that works. Yeah. You don't even understand your own career. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Apparently, he doesn't need to understand Listen his own to career. my podcast. <laughs> so I can tell you that you don't understand. Try some introspection. <laughs> Look at yourself. Not in the mirror like you did in the movie, though. With yeah. Your, yeah. With his thing. ducky and toothpaste. Singing ABBA. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good song, though. It is a good song. <laughs> All right, so last bit of trivia. Actually, it's not the last bit. I, I'm going to, again, use my one of my trivia pieces as one of my takeaways. But the band playing in the background at Savage's party is Bond. Yes, very appropriate. I love Bond. It's it's a fantastic group. And, yeah, appropriate that it is Bond in a Bond spoof movie. Yeah. Okay, so one thing I forgot to actually mention. This this show is almost, is almost I would say it's like 95 to 99% completely character-driven. Yes. Everything that happens is based on something that Johnny does, even the bad guy's actions. Yeah, they respond to what he does. They change their plans based on him finding out clues, and then they have to they have to adapt to what he's doing. Exactly. So there you go. It's not even a romance. It's, it's a it's not a thriller. It's a spoof on thrillers. You know, spoof on yeah, action. It's a, it's a comedy action spoof. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, before we get into the big top take, biggest top take. Jeez, I can't even talk today. Before we get onto that, uh, my question is, why does Savage steal the crown if the queen was going to abdicate? If he was going to force her to abdicate, why did he steal the crown? Hmm. Interesting. Let me think. I'm not really sure. He steals them, and then everyone tries to find him. And then maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. There's no reason. I couldn't think of any reason. Yeah, there's not really a good reason. That's an excellent point. What, how do they get her to advocate anyway? They just kind of show threaten up. They threaten to shoot the dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just kind of show up and be like, you know, signs the papers. Because it's a German guy. And <laughs> Apparently. It is. Oh, that's right. Yes. His, th- his thug is a German. Yeah. Which is kind of mean. They're making fun of him. Sorry, Germans. Sorry, French. Oh, yeah. Because he had to hire a German to be his thug. Yeah. Oh, but he's, well. he's cute. John Malkovich. He's funny. Yes. Cute, I wouldn't use that word. No. Oh, by the way, so one of the funny things that Nolan said was, I can't wait for my coronation. (laughs) Do you remember saying that? Yeah, of course. (laughs) I can't wait. So, of course, I remember. Oh, my gosh. Coronation scene was very uh, meaningful for me. Yeah. Something to look forward to. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. Okay. So give me your top takeaways. Uh, Comedy is hard. Yeah. It's Uh, hard to get it right. Yeah. Especially for writers because you don't have a a comedic actor. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of body language. You Mm -hmm. don't get that. No, and it's, you can't portray that. If you do, it's it's like way it's on the nose. You can't be like, like then he like looks like this, and you know yeah. try to describe his facial expression, which would work in a movie, but doesn't work when you write it down. Yeah, you could have it in a script where he makes a funny face, but it's that person's funny face exactly. and the timing of it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, comedy's hard for writers. Um. I would think. Uh. I mean, comedy's not like a huge genre for a reason. Because yeah. a lot of it, uh, his comedy in this movie is especially is physical. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the character 
is designed to be funny. Yeah. You can design characters that have funny dialogue and do funny things. Yeah. Um, you design it into their character. Yeah, that's that's a trait of cozy mysteries. I mean. That they do kind of funny humor in the, the face of murder. Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, like they're, but see, they, they do it by drawing a contrast, you know, like something horrible and they act proper about it. Yeah. You know, like understate it like, well, I guess that happened. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's not that you obviously can't do it and you have to put comedy in there. Not mm-hmm. in every story probably, but it it's one of the things you have to calculate. Yeah. Um, put it in at specific points and make sure you have the plucky sidekick or whatever. Yeah. Or the main Somebody character. Somebody for the main character to bounce off of is important. If your main character is like a swagger Han Solo type, you know, yeah. they, they, they quip. They have yeah. The or if dialogue. your character's like snarky. But if, you're, if your character's not snarky and first person is easier to get a humorous side into it than it is with third person. Yeah. But uh, so if your main character's not a snarky type personality, then. And if you want comedy, then you have to put in a personality who will b- draw that out of them. Yeah. So personality in another character. Right. So the takeaway for this is, I guess, to plan for comedy, I guess, which it's somewhat easier to be spontaneous because when they do a lot of these comedy movies, they do improv stuff. Yeah. And I guess that's important to remember when you're writing is that sometimes you might have to pants that part mm-hmm. and try mm-hmm. out a few different lines and situations. Mm-hmm. Um. Because, I mean, if it's too planned, then it's not funny. Yeah, exactly. Part it feels, of it, pl- it feels planned. Yeah, part of humor that is spontaneity yeah, always, I think. I there's, it's really hard to have, like, if you see it coming too far away, it's not funny. Yeah. It has to kind of sneak up on you. That's the big point. I mean, that's the really big point is that it's it's difficult but necessary. Well, sorry, Jan. Not, not every book requires comedy. No, it though. doesn't. It doesn't. But... Usually there's somebody funny in your book. Yeah. Or your character may not be a funny person, but they make a funny like internal mm-hmm. observation about their situation. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. I mean, so it exists even in not funny books. I mean yeah. it's hard. I mean, there are definitely I've read books that are relentlessly not funny. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, think about it. So like uh what is it? Unbroken. Unbroken is incredibly serious. Like the topic matter, World War II, torture and horrible, horrible stuff. But that book made me laugh. And, you know, I mean, some so I, I don't know, like, like, for example, like horror books, they they're harder to write because you you they, they experience the gambit of emotions and you have to go from one extreme to the next. And, and being able to do that masterfully is a sign of a talented horror writer not every genre needs to do that and so not every genre is as difficult to write i would have to say yes so be aware of comedy in your own genre yeah that's another takeaway yeah like is it do the people expect more i think they would expect more in like an urban fantasy because that the, yeah. those types tend to be like the cool rebellious mm-hmm. um yeah talk, trash talking variety yeah compared to like epic fantasy right yeah where they, there are co- comedic characters, yeah, and people do funny things, but it's it's definitely more understated. Yeah, I agree with that. So there's a second takeaway. Yeah, there you go. There's your two takeaways. There's my two for the yeah <laughs> for the day. All right, can I go on to mine? Yeah. All right. So my first takeaway is introduce your antagonists early and give them personality, weakness, history, etc. And that's not like not every single story needs that, but 
a book is going to be stronger if the antagonist has a has all of that. So we know Savage, we know his personality, his weakness, his history, you know, I mean, he pretty much gives it to us all. And he's a character in this story. He's not he's not just there. Yeah. And they have several encounters in different situations. They're almost all well, they're almost all social situations. Yeah. Even though it's an action movie, he deals with the goons, but when he deals with the boss, he can't just go in there and arrest him or beat him up or anything like that. He, yeah. he can't do that. And so, I mean, it's kind of interesting to have like the bad guy be out in the open. Yeah. And like they both know. Yep, exactly. But yeah. Okay. So can't. what you're saying is, is Johnny and Savage, they know who each other is and Savage knows Johnny's trying to stop him, but he's, he's. Like the people around him don't know that, and Johnny can't convince them, and so Savage feels confident in his. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like they they're face to face numerous times in this movie. Yeah. Um, and the only way they can interact is speaking. Yep. Um, and so their conflict for a lot of it is just dialogue. Yeah. Yep. And it's good. Yeah. You know, it's just interesting because there there is action in it, but not between the two main antagonists until the end. Their last fight is more physical, mm-hmm. but that's it. Yeah, like the big showdown. But yeah, before yeah, yeah. that, there's nothing. and they're not really. They don't even punch. They don't even no. Yeah, it's it's yeah. That's another thing. It's plausible. It's implausible yeah, that exactly. Johnny would win against somebody. Well, he co- could prob- probably win against Savage. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay, but that, so, that's an interesting way to have a conflict, you know. Yeah. And usually, it's like you know, shooting and exploding and magic and stuff like that. But their yeah. their conflict wasn't because he was off limits. Yeah, it wasn't until he, you know, finally uh, socially mm-hmm. broke him and then, you know, exposed Savage in a social situation that he could be defeated. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So my next takeaway, if you're ready for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it involves a bit of trivia. So two screenwriters for this show also wrote four James Bond films, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, etc. The the most recent ones. Wow. Yeah. So my pos- my comment with that is it's possible to be successful more than one genre, but also passion projects. They didn't make a whole ton of money off of Johnny English, not compared to Casino Royale or Skyfall no. or anything like mm-hmm. that, you know? Uh-huh. So, I mean... Sometimes, sometimes you need to take a break from your money makers to do a passion project or to do something that you really want to do, even though you don't, even though it won't make you money. Part of it is because you need a break sometimes and it, and it, it's a palate cleanser. It makes it so that you are more ready for your more serious or your, you know, the books that actually make you money. And then also because I don't know, I think it makes for a well, a more well-rounded author if you dabble in other genres. Um, you don't need to do that. There are plenty of very successful authors who never dabble in other genres, but it makes for it, you know, if you've never written romance, learn how to write a romance because that'll increase the size of your audience, you know? And not just that, but I mean, when you go back and do books that maybe don't have as much in it, you could do it better. And as much in it, what do you mean? Like, uh, you know, you, you write a romance and then you have an, an action, you know? Yeah. You would be better at writing the romance in, in your the action. action. Yeah, that's what, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not in there, but you could be more efficient yeah. and more yep. convincing because you, you're not going to spend as much time on it, which means you need to do better at it. You'd need to do better at it. Yeah. Agreed. Anyway, so uh, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. I don't know how long we've been going, but it feels shorter than our previous ones. Yeah. It's definitely shorter than uh, Jurassic World. That's true. That was like almost an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Or, or any of the two-parters we were doing. 
Yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of our- At the beginning when we were synopsising the, the movies. The first one was like a, uh, half of the podcast was a synopsis. Yeah. And it was longer than the movie itself, us describing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, for this, uh, if you want to understand comedy and how interplay with action. Yeah. And slapstick um, comedy. I mean, not, I mean, do Megamind if you want the more serious comedy, the more intelligent comedy. It's more dialogue. The comedy is more dialogue and less physical. Yeah. This one's more physical. So, so yeah. So yeah. T- check out Johnny English if you haven't seen it. It's, it, it's fun. It, yeah. uh, there is a second and then soon to be third one. Yeah. Boff is back. He wasn't in the second one. Yeah. So these are kind of like Get Smart. If you've seen Get Smart, this yeah, I would say it feels like Get Smart. Um, It's a little bit more. I don't know. You don't see. No, you do see a naked butt in this movie. (laughs) Uh, The Archbishop of Canterbury is behind. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So check out this movie. It's it's entertaining. It's fun. You know, I liked it, and I'm not huge into potty humor. You know, there is literal potty. There's a literal potty in it. So yeah, they climb up a sewer tank. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So, any closing comments? Where can people find you? Any of that stuff? Uh, in in their dreams, they can find me. In their dreams, or hanging out in, in their, a in a rotted bathroom. Yeah, that's more recently uh, removing a rotted subfloor in a bathroom. Yes, in a bathroom, in two bathrooms, two and, bathrooms, uh, and a utility room. In a utility, and the corner of a kitchen. In the corner of a kitchen. Yeah, You're right. <laughs> We've got a lot on our plates right now. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, so, um, yeah, next week will be our marketing episode and we'll be answering questions from, um, I think Alice and then we're going to talk about, I think we said we'd talk about launching and relaunching a series Mm -hmm. and a novel, right? Yes. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I don't put a lot into my launches though. I will tell you what I do put into my launches. So my, my big thing is writing the next book. So I've never really done huge launches, especially since I have longer series, but I'm starting to rethink that it's just... I don't generally have a lot of time to launch, you know, when I have a, another book. So I, I, okay, we'll talk about this next week <laughs> as I delve into next week's episode right now. Anyway, thank you all for listening. And if you haven't already, uh, we would love it if you would consider posting a review on our podcast on iTunes. A- Apple, Apple podcasts is what it's called. I believe now. Apple podcasts. Oh, okay. Oh, cause they're going away from the I. Yeah, they are. Anyway, so, so on, on it's Stitcher, so, yeah, it's it's so like two thousands to say I whatever. It is actually very it is, much. Yeah, so they rebranded it, I believe. So yeah, Apple uh, Podcast. We need to come up with a bribery for you know like Stitcher. a drawing. You know, if people leave a review, then we'll draw do a random drawing or something. Is that allowed? But on Apple, I don't see why not. I don't know. I don't know either. Let us know you listen to us and that you're alive <laughs> out there. We've been worried about you. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't heard from you we haven't heard from you in two weeks at least anyway so yeah post please post a review on the podcast and downloading um, wherever of your choosing yeah and so next week for the marketing podcast i think i'm gonna do a uh, discount on big bang promotions my because it's it'll be talking it talks about launching and relaunching series and so i think i'll probably do a 50 percent off coupon for that so yeah so listen up next week and um email me if you have any questions at andrea at selfpublishedstrong.com and we'll talk to you all later bye